0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Communication Coach podcast where I'm going to help you to create successful change through powerful and honest conversations. I am your host, Nikki Perfect. <laughs> and welcome to episode 69 of the communication coach how to set a good first impression i hope you're well and you're having a great week whatever you're doing and the reason i decided to talk about this this week is i did a webinar live webinar last week with a lady called jacqueline from elevate and we were talking about the truth about negotiation and some of the questions that were raised so there was two separate webinars and we had the same sort of question that was raised during both webinars so I thought well actually I'll cover that off in a podcast and also I'll share with you my understanding of how to make a good first impression what I believe to be true obviously um, and see if that would help you whether you're going for a job interview whether you've got a new date I know things are a bit difficult and challenging at this time and so lots of things are being done online but we can still make That really good first impression, even if it's online or offline or on the telephone, there are some ways that we can do this. And the reason why this is so important and especially was um, when I was negotiating is if you think about if you were in crisis and somebody started talking to you or just introduced you or walked up to you, what sort of impression are they making? So even in the world of business and now having my own businesses, I I see this all the time with new customers and old customers is about that first impression that how do you sell yourself? And if you listen to um, I'm not a marketing guru by any stretch of the imagination, but if you listen to people that are or have great expertise and knowledge in this, they talk about if you want to sell a product, then people have to believe in you. And it's the same in a conversation it's the same if you're going for an interview it's the same in a relationship i believe that we are always selling ourselves whether that's walking past somebody in the street uh, walking into a shop and just buying our groceries people will pick up an impression from you whether you are conscious of the way that you're behaving or not and often we're not conscious about it and that's okay because it'd be really difficult to be super conscious of making Uh, an amazing first impression all of the time but think about those people in your life that you have met or seen on tv or on the radio who are incredibly charismatic and there is something about them that you are drawn to them immediately so they have to get out there and when they put themselves in the public eye especially you know politicians or celebrities they're all making a first impression and you will make a judgment based on that so we talk about judgments a lot in negotiation and communication because we do make judgments. We can't help it. It's the way we're wired. It helps us to protect ourselves. It helps us to make a decision about whether we want to build a relationship with the other person and start trusting them. And that initial first impression is goes a long way to getting to the stage of trust. There's a lot of steps I believe in between. Uh, it's about that initial first impression and getting towards trust to then help either somebody in crisis or if you want to ask somebody out for a date. Or even if you are, and I found this particularly in my case, a step parent, that first impression of building trust with a child that comes into your life is in incredibly different from how I imagined it to be. So I, in fact, I'll show you the story of when I first met Meg. So Meg came into my life when she was six and I was 40 in my early 40s. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but when you're in your 40s, and you have been living your kind of life, you get wrapped up in your own kind of life. And suddenly to have a small person in it was a huge change, a massive change. Um, I loved having Meg in my life. Being a step parent is an interesting and challenging experience. And so this is the so the second time i met her so the second time i met her i went round to my partner's house they were renovating at the time and i thought you know what i'll take round some food just a chicken casserole i'll take it round i'll show meg what a lovely caring person i am that there's no need to worry about who i am that you can trust me and you know we'll have this amazing relationship so of course this is all in my head obviously so i turned up with the chicken casserole and meg came and she had this mop of mop of great big blonde hair and she you know knee high to a grasshopper so just about up to my knee and she looked up at me and she said what's that I said oh it's dinner and she said but yeah but what is it I said it's chicken casserole and she looked at me I'll never forget this she looked at me and she went don't like chicken casserole turned and walked out of the kitchen now from that one conversation having reflected on it a numer- numerous times and working out and as I start to get no more to sorry start to learn more about the human psychological behavior and how we build relationships and how we take each other up a um, relationship stairway to get to trust i i recognize now that that was all about me that was all about what i wanted to do and that i wanted meg to trust me but i'd never earned that trust and so suddenly here i am a relative stranger And because I'm the adult, I'm perceiving that she will trust me. But of course, she's a little person. You know, she's six and a bit and she's already formulating strong opinions about what is right and what is wrong and who she's going to trust and who she doesn't. So it takes time to build trust. So let's stick with the first impression. But that's why it's so important, because in any relationship in life where you want somebody to trust you, whether that's because you want them to believe you are the best person for the job, or to believe that you'd be a great person to go for a drink with, or that you should get the promotion, or that you are a, a new step parent, or even a step parent later on in life. This all really helps. So when I first learned about first impressions, it was about that initial contact, that initial meeting somebody for the very first time. And through my experience, I now believe, and I'm not saying this is right, it's just a belief and what I have seen throughout my negotiations and throughout my life in general is that first impression can be made daily so for example if you are a boss or a team leader setting the tone of the day will be dependent on that first impression you make when you walk into that office in the morning same in family dynamics perhaps you can relate to this you know you're sat down for breakfast and one of the family comes down and they are not happy Uh, they are miserable they're grumpy And it has an impact on everybody else around that family table, around that family unit. That first impression sets the day. And it might be that you've got up in a really good mood. You've gone downstairs and now you're starting a conversation with them and they're really uh, negative towards you. They put you down a little bit, they push back, they get a bit frustrated with you and you just can't work out what's going on. And then that affects how you behave back towards them. So, And that's called Batari's Box, is about your behaviour affect, affecting somebody else's behaviour. So I would like us to think about it today in how we set the tone for the day, what it's like to meet a complete stranger, and, and that every time we're meeting somebody new, we're setting a first impression. Even if we're just walking down the street, we're setting a first impression. Somebody walks through my coffee shop door, we're setting a first impression so how do you make a good first impression so here are three simple tips to doing so i'll keep it nice and straightforward and simple so the first one is smile now i'm going to caveat that with depending on the circumstances so when i taught negotiation i would never say to somebody right the first thing you want to do is go up to speaking to somebody in crisis and give them a big cheesy smile because it's probably not going to work but certainly if you're in a friendly environment then smile and people can't help but smile back and that's interesting lots of experiments have been done on this and sometimes I do it myself just to see if it works but when you smile at somebody they find it very difficult not to smile back now I don't I'm not um a what's the word I'm looking for I don't have lots of degrees or anything like that But I do a lot of reading and a lot of research shows this to be true. So, I mean, what I'm trying to say, I guess, is I'm in no means trying to tell you that I'm a psychologist or anything like that. But I have read a lot of studies. And you'll notice when you smile or if a baby smiles at you that most people, even if they look quite sullen or serious, will smile back. We just can't help it. So, smile or look approachable is probably another way of saying it. So, look approachable. So often we'll be in our own little worlds, walking along the street, you know, thinking about something. And that can make us look quite serious whether we want to or not. I have one of those faces that unless I'm smiling, I do look very serious. And I remember people saying to me before, um, what's wrong? And I'd be like, "Nothing's wrong? Why do you think something's wrong? And they'll say, oh, because you look so serious or you look like something was wrong. But sometimes when I'm thinking, I just look serious because I'm wrapped up in my own world. So be look be approachable look approachable so that takes a conscious effort and when I talk about looking approachable that will be like with your hands down by your side or sort of a they call it like a wide body gesture rather than a closed body gesture so you know if your hands are by your side you look open you look approachable like you've got your head up you're not got your head in your phone or your head in a book and smiling at other people you'll notice I've, I've noticed and I do this a lot, and. I've noticed myself doing this. When I feel a little bit insecure about something or I'm in an environment that is unusual to me, so for example, if I walk into a conference and there's lots of new people, I'm not great at networking. And a lot of people <laughs> think because I do presentations and talks that I would be, but I'm not great at networking. I find, I find it a challenge. Um, I love people and I love listening to them and I love talking to them. But when I go into a networking environment, I've just, I I become a little bit introverted. So my security blanket, the thing that I turn to is to look at my phone, is to check my emails or check my social media or write a quick post. So I'll be doing something active. I won't just be kind of like looking at it, but I'll be doing something active. But that's that helps me to be secure. But that doesn't leave me approachable because what people will see is that I'm on my phone and not. Um, not engaging with others around me so I look closed in so just be mindful of that if you are somebody who does the same practice that when you're feeling a little bit nervous or insecure or your immediate reaction is to get your phone out of your pocket and start looking at it um, because you're very busy or because you've got things to do but that, but how does that look to other people does that make you would you approach somebody who was reading their phone in an environment like a networking event or would you go and speak to somebody who was just standing there having a coffee so that's the question that i would ask you the second one is be genuine so there's that great phrase of be yourself because everybody else is taken which is so true when you try to be somebody that you're not when you try to fake it so to speak people will see through that they might not see through it straight away and unless you're a great con artist um people will recognise that you're not being the person that you are and they'll see that in an interview or they'll see that in a relationship or they'll see that when you are looking to talk to them about your pay rise or looking to talk to them about um, something that's very important to you. So be genuine. People warm to people that are genuine. And it doesn't matter if you make mistakes. I remember one of my mentors saying about podcasting, do live podcasts because... People like the um, fact that you are putting yourself out there, that you're going live, that you make mistakes. People get that because it's a human trait that none of us are perfect. None of us are 100% at everything that we do. We get better with practice. But if you make a mistake and you're genuine, then people will st- will let it go, and they'll still they'll just go, okay, well, that's fine. And this, I remember doing this in negotiations, you know, being so paranoid about saying the wrong thing. But if you're there and you're genuinely there because you want to make a difference in somebody else's life, people will get that. And they will warm to you just by the fact that you are genuine. So that's the second one. And then thirdly is listen. And that's probably one of the hardest things to do now, especially if you're under stress. So let's use the example of having a job interview. When you're under stress in a job interview and bearing in mind a job interview is slightly an artificial conversation because they're obviously asking questions from you and you're giving answers. But if you don't listen to the other person you'll get caught up in what you want to say rather than answering the question for example. If you don't listen when you're talking to somebody who's having a crisis and you're thinking about your own agenda or trying to problem solve what happens is they will recognize that and they won't carry on with the conversation if you don't listen when you're talking to let let me use meg as an example she's a great example in my life if i'm not listening properly to megan when she's talking to me and it's something important to her and she realizes i'm not listening properly she will stop the conversation and no matter how hard i try and engage that conversation afterwards she'll push back on it she'll she'll just say oh no it's not important it doesn't matter when perhaps it was important and it did matter. And sometimes I find myself doing that with my partner as well. If I have something important to say and I think they're not listening, I'll stop. And then they'll say, oh, carry on, I'm listening. And I'll I'll be like, well, no, you're not because you're on your phone. And then they'll be right, OK, I put my phone down now, let's engage. Um, And sometimes I'll have that childlike behaviour and go, no, I don't want to talk to you now (laughs) because you weren't listening before because it was important to me. So just, just be mindful of listening to what other people are saying. And there are several different ways that we listen. I've covered quite a few in the podcast. I can cover them again another time. And in fact, I might do another podcast just on listening and, and how we generally listen as people. But one of the questions that came about time and time again from the webinar that I was doing last week was how do we get other people to listen to us? So it was along the lines of actually i feel that i can be a really good listener in the right circumstances and that i'm fully present and i'm listening i'm not trying to problem solve i'm not being judgmental but how do i get other people to listen to me and i thought well that's a great question so i'll give you an example when i used to pick meg up from school when she was young and i always wanted to show her that i was interested in her day and her life and what was happening now you'll notice that was all about me and what i wanted from my day i wanted to know what was happening in her life i wanted to show that i cared about her i wanted to appear to be the great step parent who she could talk to so that's all about me that's all about my own agenda so that's that's important to remember because most of our conversations are about us and they're about our agenda so just hold that thought as we move forward so i would turn up at school pick her up and ask her loads of questions hey how was your day you're all right right what do you do nothing well you did nothing for eight hours no I didn't do anything so you've been at school for eight hours and you did nothing yeah who do you talk to no one what do you do at playtime nothing and so the conversation would, would go on and as she got older she would start to push back on those conversations and it would almost become like an interrogation and she'd say why why are you interviewing me about my day at school and it was like well it's important to me so I learnt very early doors That she wasn't engaged in that conversation or listening to what I had to say because it didn't interest her. It wasn't on her agenda. So think about that. So remember I just said the conversation was initially all about me and my agenda. Well, it's the same for Meg. It's all about her and her agenda. So how can you flick that? to make them motivated to listen to what you have to say and motivated to engage in the conversation because people will generally only listen when they're engaged. It's a very conscious behavior. So I found that she is incredibly motivated by animals, massively so, so to the extreme, we have four dogs, four goats, a load of chickens. She'd have a load, well, she wants to be a vet. So you can kind of see where her values, beliefs and motivators are. So picking her up from school, I would tell her about one of the dogs. So we have a pug called Custard. Yes, that is true. So we would pick Custard the pug up. Uh, I would pick Meg up and I'd talk about Custard the pug. And I would tell her about a funny story that he had done. And then she would ask me questions about it. And she would listen to my responses. And I found as she listened to my responses, I was then able to relate that to what was going on in her life at school. So I would say, along the lines of, oh, what would it be like to have custard at playtime? And she would tell me what she'd been doing at playtime and how custard could have engaged. So it's looking for the motivating factor for the other person to get them engaged in the conversation and then they will listen to what you're saying. I remember working with a guy who was a massive supporter of Arsenal Football Club. And you would know if they it was a good time to talk or, or a bad time to talk, depending on the scores over the weekend. But if I wanted to engage him in a conversation, then that's how I would start. I'd talk to him about what was important to him. So they're my three tips for making a great first impression. First impression, uh, they reckon it's about between 0 and 7 seconds that somebody makes an impression about you. And then they'll listen for things that will make them right because we all like to be right. Just to make our decision right. So just bear that in mind as well. So first impressions are formed very quickly. But there's something that you can control, that you personally can, can take control of. And in a world where sometimes we uh, have fear because we can't control what's happening, uh, that's, one of the, well, that's one of the great things about, when Stephen Covey talks about the seven habits of effective, highly effective people, he talks about having control of, y- of your circle. Well, actually, a first impression is something that you can have control of. And actually, I'm going to throw a fourth one in there, is practice, which sounds a bit weird, maybe. But practice what you're going to say. Practice how you're going to introduce yourself. Practice that smile. Practice walking into somewhere and engaging a conversation with a stranger and see how it goes. And it will build your confidence. And the more confidence you are when you're in a new situation, the easier it is for you to control it. Hope you found that helpful. Send me some messages or some comments if you want me to cover anything else. But that is First Impressions today. Have a great week and I will catch up with you soon. Hey everybody, Nikki again. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast and thank you for joining me. You can find me on social media at Nikki Coms Coach at Twitter and The Communication Coach on Facebook and thecommunicationcoach.co.uk. Please like, share and review and I look forward to speaking to you soon. <laughs>